0: One Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. And for more information, please visit us on the web at onechurch.net. Well, good morning, One Church Park District family. So good to see you all today. You look beautiful. Uh, You're wondering, how in the world is he seeing me today? Well, I'm seeing you in my heart, in my mind's eye today. And although we're not all together as a church family today, uh, our hearts are together. And uh, I'm so glad that we can gather uh, all together and also in our house church groups in this season. And, uh, you know, uh, about a month ago, we kind of stepped forward after almost a year of not being able to gather regularly. We stepped forward into a bi-weekly schedule. Now that's not where we're ultimately going, but it is a great step forward. And uh, I'm so excited about that. I'm so grateful uh, that we have the chance to gather all together as a big uh, all church family every other Sunday. And then on the other Sundays, able to gather in our house church groups. And, you know, I really believe that that is the New Testament model, the New Testament pattern of church. It's not uh, large gatherings or small groups. It's large gatherings and small groups. And we've always been committed to that. And so today we're not all together in person physically, uh, but we are all together in in heart, in spirit. And I know many of you are gathered in house churches today. Maybe you're not in a house church. Maybe you're just joining us online. Uh, well, I want to encourage you. You know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered that Jesus is in the midst. And so maybe you're just at home with a roommate. Maybe you're at home with a uh, your, your husband or wife, maybe your kids. Hey, maybe even a dog. The Bible doesn't specify two or more people. So we'll count your dog today. So why don't you gather together? And I believe that God's going to speak to us today and uh, you know even as we prepare to turn our hearts towards the word there's something that happens in an atmosphere of worship and uh, you know in this season just because the logistics we're not producing a uh, you know, a worship set uh, to go along with this, but I do want to encourage you to take time to worship the Lord, take time to turn your heart towards the Lord. We've created a playlist of our worship sets uh, on our YouTube channel that you can use. Uh, we also have a Spotify playlist. Uh, I know in some of our house churches, you're pulling out the guitar, maybe singing a cappella. however you do it. I want to encourage you just to turn your heart towards the Lord uh, in worship. And of course, worship isn't just about songs. Ultimately, worship is about sacrifice. And so I also want to encourage you to worship the Lord in your giving. Uh, you know, David said it this way, I won't offer to the Lord that which costs me nothing. Next week, we've got a special give day as we're gathering together at the Winter Park Community Center, and we're believing God for miraculous provision, but I want to encourage you even today, take time. If you give online, you can give online. If you want to mail a check to our church office, you can do that text to give all the different ways. But ultimately it's not even just giving to the church. It's giving to the Lord as an act of worship. And I believe that God is going to move in our midst today. So if you have your Bible, why don't you grab it and turn with me to the book of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, chapter two. And uh, those of you who are with us online or in person last week, you know that we began a new series of messages that we're calling the uprising, the uprising. The subtitle is rebuilding from the ruins, rebuilding the ruins. And really what we're talking about is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the good news that through Jesus Christ, although we live in a fallen world and although sin has a way of uh, breaking down our lives, but through Jesus Christ we can experience an uprising. The Bible says this: that we've been raised with Christ, we've been seated in heavenly places. Everything that God has for you is up. Uh, the apostle Paul said it this way: that I pray, uh, I press on to take hold of the upward call of God. And I'm glad to tell you that even in a a fallen world, that we can live an upward life and that we can live in the direction that our life moves upward. And so that's what we're talking about. And, uh, Perhaps one of the greatest examples of that in the whole Bible is the story of Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, which is a story of a group of people that rally together to rise up and rebuild the ruined city of Jerusalem. If you know the story of Jerusalem, the the place that God had promised his blessing, his presence, his his purpose, his provision, uh, it, it had fallen into disrepair, had been taken over by the Babylonians. Uh, God's people had been taken into exile. But here we see a group of people coming back, rising up to rebuild. God's plan and God's purpose and I really believe that that's God's will that's God's word for us in this season that it's time to rise up that it's time to rebuild and maybe you feel like your life is in ruins today maybe uh, relationships have fallen into ruins and disrepair maybe you feel like your life is just filled with rubble maybe the the division and the circumstances over the last 12 months have caused uh, have caused the relationships in your life to be broken down. I believe God wants to rebuild that, maybe emotionally. You just feel like, man, I've been worn down. I'm, I'm breaking down. Uh, I believe God wants to rebuild. Uh, you know, in our church, we've gone through a tough period, as all churches around the world have, not even able to meet together, often feeling disconnected and even scattered. But I believe God is wanting to rebuild. And so I believe that this uh, story of Nehemiah is uh, not just a wonderful account but a prophetic picture of what God wants to do in us and through us in this season. and so I want to pick up today in Nehemiah chapter two Nehemiah chapter two. we saw last week in Nehemiah uh, what we called the the uprising begins and we heard we saw that Nehemiah heard of the condition of Jerusalem and, and he recognized the condition, he released the cry. And then he remembered the covenant of God that God said, if you'd return to me, I'll return to you. And uh, that's where we're going to pick up today in Nehemiah chapter two. And and today, if you're taking notes or if you want a title for this message, you can call it the due diligence phase. The due diligence phase. You know, in every building project, there is a due diligence phase. Phase. In that due diligence phase, there may not feel like there's a lot of progress, but it's all about the preparation. And everything that God does requires preparation. Maybe you feel like you're in a season right now that you're not seeing the visible. Uh, results of the uprising that you're believing God for. But I believe that God is looking for us to be diligent in the season that we're in. So we're going to look at this story out of Nehemiah chapter two, uh, the due diligence phase that Nehemiah goes through where there's not a lot of progress, but it is Preparation. The Bible says this in Nehemiah chapter 2. It says, And it came to pass in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, that I took the wine and gave it to the king. Now I had never been sad in his presence before. Therefore, the king said to me, Why is your face sad? Since you are not sick. This isn't COVID, okay? Why are you sick? This is nothing but sorrow of heart. So I became dreadfully afraid. Verse three, he says, And I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad? when the city, the place of my father's tomb lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. And here we see it, the, the, the beginning of Nehemiah's action ultimately towards rebuilding the wall. And we see him engaging with the king. He, he goes back to work after spending time in prayer and fasting and he goes back to work and the king notices that there's something wrong with Nehemiah. Nehemiah is different than he's been in the past. Normally Nehemiah is happy. Normally Nehemiah is energetic and something's just off with Nehemiah. He says, why are you sad? And Nehemiah says, King, how can I not be sad when the city of Jerusalem, the place that I love, the place that God loves, the place of my father's History and tombs, and ultimately the place that the Messiah had promised to come and rule and reign, and now that place is in ruins king why can 't I be sad, or why shouldn 't I be sad and of course he 's saying it in a respectful, submissive tone. He says, "I became dreadfully afraid he was he was honoring the king he wasn 't being disrespectful to the king in any way, but I, I want to show you today that I believe that if we're gonna experience the uprising that God has for us, that, that it begins with a burden. It begins with a burden. Nehemiah was burdened. He had heard the news. He sat down and wept. And then he went on with life. He had to go back to work. But I want you to notice that he continued to carry the burden. He continued to carry the burden. And I believe that one way we can tell whether something is of God or whether it's not, is that when God is at work, we get a burden that we can't shake. You know, the Bible says this in the book of second Peter, that there is, um, I'm sorry, first Peter chapter five, verse seven, that we're to cast our cares on Christ. We're to cast our burdens on the Lord because he cares for us. And I'm so grateful that we can always cast the burdens of life onto the Lord. But I also believe that there are times that God casts his burden on us. That when there is something in the world that is not the way that God has intended, that God looks for a man or a woman who would be willing to carry his burden, who would be willing to allow the, the, the burden of what could be and should be, but is not to dwell within their heart. And that's where Nehemiah was. He, he wasn't just a, a, a bummer of a guy. He didn't have, you know, resting burden face. That wasn't his norm. He was, he said, I've never been unhappy in the presence of the King before. You know, some people allow the burdens of life just to weigh them down. They walk around all the time, burdened by life, burdened by the challenges of life. But you can tell the difference between the burdens of life and the burdens of the Lord because the burdens of life will weigh you down. But the burdens of the Lord ultimately will lift you up. It will cause you to rise up in action. It will cause you to rise up in faith. But there is a burden that we carry. And and that's what happened in Nehemiah's life. And and, and what I want you to see is that when God is wanting to lead an uprising to, to rebuild and to restore something on the earth that is not the way he intended. He looks for a person who will be willing to carry a burden. And when that burden uh, meets the, the, the blessing of God, the, the, the promises of God, God's word, faith is released. And it's not just a woe is me, life is rough, things are hard and probably getting worse. There's something that rises up that says, I'm not going to let it stay the way that it is. I'm not content to go through life when this continues to remain. And I want you to see that it wasn't Nehemiah's problem up until this point, but he was willing to carry it as his problem. And and I believe that the burden is always the embryo for vision. That God's purpose for our lives and through our lives begins with a burden. And so I want to ask you today, what burdens your heart? What burdens your life? Maybe when you look across the world today and you see the divisions in our world, maybe that burdens you. Maybe when you look across the world today and you see poverty and suffering. Maybe that burdens your heart. Maybe when you look across the world today and even in our own city and and, and you see the breakdown of families and relationships, or maybe you see people in isolation, or maybe you see people stuck in addiction and patterns that are destructive to their life. It becomes a burden for your heart. Maybe, maybe you're burdened by people that find their identity in things other than what God has intended for them to. And when you see the condition that people are in, it just brings a burden to your heart. I believe the burden of the Lord is part of God's plan to lead us to uprising and it's dependent. God's, God's uh, ability to use us is dependent on our willingness to carry the burden You know, ultimately, all of us should have a common burden. Uh, Maybe you have a specific burden, a specific area when you see the world and you say it's not as it could be and should be. And there's a burden for the brokenness of the world. But every one of us should have a burden over the lostness of humanity. Every one of us should have a burden for people to meet Jesus. Every one of us should have a burden over the pain and the suffering that sin brings into people's lives. And I I, I believe that God is looking for people that will carry a burden. And so for Nehemiah, before he rises up, he's willing to carry the burden. And, And notice that it doesn't happen immediately it doesn't happen immediately. And I think the extent to which God is able to use us is often determined by the period of time that we're willing to carry the burden. Are you willing to carry a burden for a year? Are you willing to carry a burden for a decade? Are you willing to carry a burden for your life? Some people look at something, they're bothered by it, but they're not willing to carry the burden. But when God wants to bring an uprising, it always starts with a burden. The second thing that I want you to see is I want you to notice where Nehemiah was. I want you to notice where Nehemiah was. Nehemiah had gotten this call from God. He'd gotten this burden. Um, I say call from God. He got it. He got a burden. But I want you to notice that uh, Nehemiah went back to work. In fact, uh, in Nehemiah chapter two, verse five, he goes on to say this. He says And I said to the King, if I found favor, if your servant has found favor in your sight, I want you to notice that language. If your servant has found favor in your sight, oftentimes when we think about leaders in the Bible, we think about Nehemiah, Uh, I remember even in college, a class on leadership, we studied the life of Nehemiah as a picture of leadership. But I want you to notice that before Nehemiah was a leader, Nehemiah was a servant. And, And here's the second thing that I want you to see of the due diligence phase. Not only does it begin with a burden, but the second thing I want you to see is that faithfulness brings favor. Faithfulness brings favor. Nehemiah introduces himself in Nehemiah chapter one, verse 10. He says, I was the king's cupbearer. So he had this burden from God. He saw the condition of Jerusalem and ultimately he's going to rise up. But I want you to notice that he didn't say, here am I, Nehemiah, man of faith and power, God's man for the hour. Here I am God's gift to Jerusalem. No, he says, I'm the cupbearer to the king. Uh, Yes, I'm called by God. Yes, I I believe that God has given me a a burden and a vision for what could be and should be. But right now I'm the cupbearer to the king. And until God releases me from the place that I'm in, I'm going to be faithful. The Bible says this, that he took wine and he gave it to the king. He was just serving before he was leading. He was serving. And, and, And I believe that when we serve, it brings God's favor into our lives. He says in verse five, he says, if I've found favor in your sight, if I've found favor in your sight, that word favor is an incredible word. In fact, Jesus began his ministry by quoting the prophet Isaiah saying that this is the year of God's favor. That word favor in the Old Testament, it's synonymous with blessing, the projection of God's goodness onto our lives. But in the New Testament, it's it's the same word as grace. It's the same word as grace. And it's through his faithfulness that he receives greater grace upon his life. You know, oftentimes we get a burden from God and we think that burden necessitates timing. And so we think here, now I've got the burden, I've got to run and do what's on my heart. And we actually short circuit the blessing of God, the grace of God, the favor that God is bringing into our life because we're not willing to be faithful in the season we're in. And I want you to notice that when God is looking for a leader, he always looks for a servant. You see, God's school of leadership is the school of serving. Think about it with me for just a moment. Throughout the Bible, anytime God uses a leader, He starts as a servant because that's God's heart is ultimately not self-serving, but to serve other people. Think about it with me. uh, Moses in the old Testament, he was serving his father-in-law when he encountered the burning bush. He was shepherding the sheep. He was, it was just another day at work and he was working for his father-in-law. I don't know how your father-in-law is. I've got an awesome father-in-law, but you know, when you work for your father-in-law, that can kind of feel like, man, this isn't where I want to be. But Moses was faithful. He was shepherding his father-in-law's sheep, Gideon. He worked in the bakery. He was threshing wheat. He he was working in the bake shop when God called him and God called him to deliver God's people. Think about David. David was called and anointed to be king, but before he killed a giant, he was bringing bread and sheep to his brothers. We could say it this way to put it in today's language. He was driving Uber Eats, food delivery, called to be king, but being faithful in the process And it's that faithfulness that positions us for our purpose. You may feel like the place that you're in today is a thousand miles away from where God has called you to be. But let me tell you, God's position is always connected to God's purpose on your life. And Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king. He said, I'm going to bring wine to the king. I'm serving the king. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that we are to do whatever our hand finds to do with all our heart as unto the Lord. In other words, whatever area that we're serving in, we are serving unto the King of Kings. And that's what Nehemiah recognized. And it was at that time that there was favor coming into his life. He says, if I've found favor in your sight, I ask that you send me to Judah. I want you to notice this. That Nehemiah was submitted to the authority of King Artaxerxes. He didn't say, uh, "I'm sorry, Art. Uh, I serve the Lord. I answer to God. I don't answer to man. Uh, I'm out of here. Peace out." He said, "If I've found favor in your sight, send me. Send me." You, you see, there's a difference between being sent and went. And. and There are moments where God repositions us, but whenever God repositions us, there's a period of faithfulness that will release favor into our lives so that when we go, we're not just sent or we're not just went, but we've been sent. We've been sent. We're carrying the authority uh, and, and the favor of God on our lives. Permit me to go. You know, anytime you go to build anything, you've got to have a permit. You've got to obtain permits. And and the greater the thing is that you're building, the more permit you're going to need. The more permits you're going to need. If you want to build a sandcastle at the beach, go right ahead. Nobody will stop you. But if you want to build a house, if you want to build a building, if you want to build a skyscraper, you're going to need a permit. In other words, you're going to need authority. And we often think that just because we have information or we know something that we have the authority or just because we have a burden that we have authority. But in the kingdom of God, there is a chain of command and how we are faithful in serving others releases favor onto our lives. And, you know, maybe you're in a job that you don't like right now. Well, I believe God can reposition you. I've been in jobs like that where I've just thought, man, I want to get out of here now. But how you leave one season is how you land in another. Maybe you feel like I just want to leave this city Well, if you recognize that God is the one who determines the times and places where we live, as the book of Acts chapter 17, verse 26 says, then it's not just up to you where you live. You've got to get the permit. You've got to get God's approval. And I I want to encourage you even to be willing to come under godly authority. Let me just give a a little side note of encouragement to all of the single people that are watching. If you're single and you're looking for a spouse, pay attention to how they react to authority. Whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're looking for, you know, men, if you're looking for a wife, women, if you're looking for a husband, if you see somebody that has the mentality of nobody's going to tell me what to do, let me tell you, run from that person. Look for somebody that's willing to come under authority because when you're under authority, it releases authority into your life. He said, permit me permit me. What was he doing? He was being faithful to the position that he was in and trusting God to bring favor for the purpose that he had in store for him. I want to encourage you today. If you're in a moment where you're frustrated, I want to encourage you to be faithful in the moment that you're in, because it's faithfulness that brings God's favor. You know, the Bible sums up the majority of Jesus's earthly life in Luke chapter two, verse 52. It simply says this, that Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature in favor with God and man. That's the summary of Jesus's life from age 12 to age 30, 18 years of his life. And it's summed up with him just being faithful. He went to work. He lived in uh, you know in the the culture and the the moment that he was in, but he was just living uh, being faithful. Is it any wonder what, that when the moment came for god 's release of his calling and his purpose, is it any wonder that there wasn 't the the power the blessing the favor of the Holy Spirit upon his life? Why because he was willing to be faithful in the process and, and I believe the same is true that God's purpose always requires a due diligence period where we're just being faithful, but it's the faithfulness that brings God's favor on our lives. Nehemiah didn't just go. He he wasn't, hadn't just went. What happened to Nehemiah? Where did he go? Well, I think he went to Jerusalem. No, he got the permits, the proper permits that if you want to build something great in your life, If you want your marriage and your family, if you want your finances to be blessed, you need the proper permits that only come through being faithful in the moment that you're in. Faithfulness brings favor. The last thing that I want you to see as we continue reading verse six, he said that the king said to me, the queen also sitting beside him, how long will your journey be? And when, when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me and I set him a time. Notice Nehemiah called by God was still willing to be accountable to the king. He set him a time. He made a plan. Verse seven, it says, furthermore, I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given to me for the governors of the region beyond the river that they must permit me to pass through Till I come to Judah and a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forest, that he must give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel, which pertains to the temple for the city wall and for the house that I will occupy. And the king granted them to me according to the good hand of God upon me. The third thing I want you to see is in this due diligence phase, as God burdens our heart, as we carry that burden, as we're faithful in the place that God has put us, the third thing I want you to see is that when the time comes for us to step out, godly vision, God's vision, will always bring God's provision. You see, to fulfill the vision that God requires or that God has given to you, that God has given to us as a church, The fulfillment of the vision always requires provision, provision. And as Nehemiah said to the king, permit me. Now he says, uh, would you give me letters? Would you give me the provision that I need that not only do I go back to Jerusalem and have the vision, but that there would also be provision upon my life, And I love that thought that Nehemiah went with the letters of the king, the letters of the king. Not only did Nehemiah go back with a burden, not only did he go back with the permission of the king, but he also went with the blessing of the king. The letters of the king that said, whatever you need, I will provide. And and I want you to know that we have letters from the king. We have what the bible calls great and precious promises that god the bible says in 2nd peter chapter 1 verse 3 and 4 that we've been given great and precious promises that we will receive everything we need for life and godliness And when we carry the burden of the Lord, when we receive the call of God, we're faithful to the process that he has for us, that due diligence period. We can expect that God's vision will release God's provision. The Bible says it this way in Hebrews chapter four, verse 16, that we can come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain favor and to uh, obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of of need, I love what Jesus said in Luke chapter 12, verse 32, do not fear little flock. It's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Whatever you need, God will provide. When God gives you a vision, God will give you the provision. And we as a church have a vision. We have a vision to get a building. The, we, we have a burden in our hearts. I've got to tell you, I have a burden in my heart. I have a burden in my heart over the lostness of our community. When I look around the world that we live in, I see the brokenness. I see the, the depression. I see the, the, the hopelessness that so many people have. It burdens my heart. That's why we started this church. And now we find ourselves in a place that, that we don't even have a place to meet on a regular basis, and I have to tell you, it burdens my heart. I, I believe God wants us to minister, not just on a Sunday, but throughout the week. And of course, that's gonna happen in house church and it needs to happen in your homes and offices. It needs to happen in parks this morning as I was preparing to preach. I had the opportunity to pray over somebody in the park. It was awesome. And church should never be limited to a building, but, but I believe that God wants to give us a building. We're moving forward with that vision. And I believe that where there is God's vision, there will be God's provision. And so the, the declaration of faith in my heart is that the money will come. The money will come, not just out of positive thinking, but out of the letters of the King, the promises of God that when we live for God's purpose, we will have God's provision in our lives. So as we prepare to close today, I, I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at in the due diligence process. I I don't know what is in ruins or needing repair and rebuilding in your life. But I believe that God wants us to be willing to carry his burden today. Perhaps you've been in a place where you've lived only for your own comfort. Maybe you've lived only for your own needs. You've not allowed God to put a burden on your heart for the world around you. I believe that God wants to give you his burden today. Again, the good news of his burden is the burdens of life will pull you down, but the burden of the Lord will lift you up. Are you willing to carry the burden of God? Maybe you're in a season where you're just needing to be faithful. And it doesn't look like there's a lot of progress, but it's in that moment that God is preparing you. I want to encourage you, be faithful in this moment. Don't rush off. Even as a church, be faithful in the place that God has put us. Be faithful to the calling. Be faithful to the connections that God has given to us. And then lastly, I want to encourage you that when God gives you a vision, we can trust God to supply his provision. As we prepare to receive our Give Day offering, our Vision Builders offering next Sunday, I believe that God is going to provide everything we need. And so I want to pray for you today that whatever phase you're in, wherever you find yourself in this due diligence season, that you would experience God's burden that would lift you up, that you would be faithful and that you would see God's provision in your life. Would you pray with me today? Father, I thank you for every person that's watching today. God, I thank you in house church and online, Lord, wherever they're watching today, God, I thank you, Lord, that you are wanting us to experience an uprising. And Father, I speak over your people, over this church. God, I speak with the authority that you've given me as the pastor of this community. Father, I pray that there would be an uprising in our hearts. God, I pray that we would not allow the difficulty of life Lord, the circumstances that we've been in over the last 12, 13 months, God, to break us down. But Father, I thank you for the good news of the gospel. Father, that we've been raised with Christ. And Lord, I pray because of that, we would be willing to carry the burden. Father, I pray you'd burden our hearts, God. so we look across the world, let us not become critics of the world, but Father, let us be people that would carry the burden that we would be filled with vision for what could be and should be, but is not yet. Father, I pray you'd release vision into people's hearts today, renewed vision. Maybe they've lost vision for their lives, God. Maybe they've lost vision for their family, vision for their marriage, vision, God, for their finances, vision, Lord, for their company and neighborhood and community, city in the world. God, I pray, let there be a release of vision. Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful in this season that we're in, God, because we know that wherever we're at, ultimately, we're serving as unto the Lord, unto you. And Father, thank you that as we are faithful, God, you will release favor on our lives. Lord, I pray your favor and blessing upon your people today. God, I pray, let there be a supernatural grace upon us as it was on Nehemiah that we're not struggling and striving for your blessing, but God, we become a magnet for your blessing, a magnet for your goodness, because we have come under your lordship and your authority. Father, I pray a release of divine authority over people's lives today, God, that they can fulfill, that we can fulfill what you've called us to. And Lord, we do thank you that whatever vision you've called us to individually, Lord, there will be a provision of whatever we need. God, I pray that you would provide in this season. Father, we thank you, Lord, for uh, our jobs. We thank you, God, for uh, business. We thank you, God, for whatever means you use to bring blessing into our lives. But Father, we declare ultimately today you are our source. And Father, we pray that as we walk by faith, that there would be a blessing of divine and supernatural provision that would come into our lives. God, even as we prepare for our Give Day, our Vision Builders offering next Sunday, God, we just declare the money will come. Lord, thank you that you're going to give us everything we need for life and godliness. Lord, we live according to the letters of the King that said that you have provided everything we need and we believe it, we receive it, we confess it, we declare it, we stand. And on it today. In Jesus name, I pray. Amen. 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 Well, God bless you so much today. If you're in house church, I want to encourage you take some time to discuss this, encourage one another, pray for one another. We can't wait to see you next Sunday. The Winter Park Community Center join us for our give day. We can't wait to see you then. God bless you.